0: You're listening to episode 57 of the Master Your Mind, Business, and Life podcast. This week's episode has us discussing two very different topics, fashion and marriage. And if you're thinking, how the heck do these two come together? Well, don't you worry your pretty little self because we make it happen. Today's guest has been an on-air host for brands such as Vogue, Better Homes and Gardens, and Good Morning America, she has a personal style blog and has a top-rated podcast that she runs with her husband called Marriage is Funny. I am excited to introduce to you, Jessie R. Teague, but first, the review of the week. This week's review was submitted through the website from Ann Best, and it reads, I bought Lauren's book off Amazon, which is how I found the podcast, I am so glad I found it. I know this is a weekly show, but I would love more episodes. Wednesdays can't come fast enough. And you have not been the first to request more episodes, but it's got me wondering of how many of the fans feel this way. If you would like an extra dose of master your mind, business, and life, shoot me a message and let me know. Um, I'll also open up a poll on Instagram for voting. So be sure you're following me on at mindbizlife. And of course, to have your review featured, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your preferred podcast app. Okay, are you ready to meet Jesse? You know what to do. Tune in, turn it up, let's go.
1: You're listening to Master Your Mind, Business and Life, conversations with everyday world shifters, truth seekers, and rule breakers. Here's your host, Lauren Smith.
0: Hey everyone, it's Lauren Smith. Welcome back to another episode. Today, I am joined by on air host, mentor, and creative entrepreneur, Jesse Arteague. Jesse, welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you join me today. Thanks, Lauren. I'm excited to be here, too. You know, you are straight up goals, girl. Besides your <laughs> podcast with your husband, which I have recently become hooked to. You guys are just so dang funny. You've been ah. an on-air host for brands such as Vogue, Kashi Cereal, Better Homes and Gardens, Good Morning America. I mean, the list goes on. So mm-hmm. color me intrigued, but I would love to hear a little bit more about your journey and what led you to this place in life.
1: Oh my gosh, where do I begin? (laughs) Um, Well, let's see. I have been an entrepreneur for now going on, gosh, is it 10 or 11? 11 years next month, actually. So celebrate a little milestone. Um, But honestly, the biggest thing I would say that's brought me to where I am today is just being a constant learner and being constantly excited about um, uncovering just sort of um, the best way to go about designing a happy, healthy, and flavorful life. And it's looked so many different ways for me in terms of career, but it also has spilled over into my personal life, my relationships, um, my physical health, all kinds of things. Um, and so my current projects are very much, I would say, um, intentionally created around the sort of life that I try to live and are also sort of like a culmination of so many of the other different professional experience I've had throughout my life. And that's kind of where the story gets messy. I don't know if you, which direction you want me to take it because I've done so many different things. But. Yeah,
0: you have. Yeah, you have. <laughs> well, let's start with talking about style because okay, you're an expert on style. So what really got you into that? Like, did you major so, in that in college? That's a good, good question. Fashion?
1: No, I didn't mm-hmm. actually. i studied I studied broadcast journalism with an emphasis in new media, basically. and okay, yeah. Um, when I graduated, I thought that I was going to go into TV news, and that's what all my internships were in. I basically had a couple of job offers in that industry, um, but had already promised my husband I would move with him to the middle of the country for his grad school program. And so, We picked up and moved basically a few months after I graduated. We got married, picked up and moved from San Diego to Kansas City. And uh, it was right as the recession was kind of in full force Mm -hmm. and um, the economy was crashing. A lot of jobs were being eliminated. And it was harder for me to find a TV gig out there in a smaller market than I was expecting. And so I, I took a job at a um local architecture firm that I loved it was doing marketing and PR and really was not feeling creatively fulfilled so as many at this point hundreds of thousands it feels like people have done uh since then <laughs> and before then I started a blog as a way to sort of have a um creative outlet and yeah. again this was like gosh this is now 11 11 years ago, 11 or 12 years ago that I started my blog Mm -hmm. and it was all focused on style. Um, That's been a major love and hobby of mine. And so I was documenting my own outfits before that was even really a thing and documenting street style. Um, We lived in Kansas City, Missouri at the time, and I was sort of uh, surprised and delighted to find that there was tons and tons and tons of creative expression happening in the style scene there. Even though I'd come from you know a coastal city and right. wasn't sure what to expect in terms of style, they are doing it right in Kansas City. Really? Oh my gosh! And there's tons of places we've lived even since then where I'm like, you might not think of this. I honestly think you could you could find style no matter where you go, depending yeah. on what your definition of it is. But anyway, so I started this blog and then started doing local TV segments, being able to combine my background in television and on-air hosting with this sort of hobby of giving and sharing and talking about style advice was really a perfect fit, but I was still working my full-time job. And then I think my, my blog grew pretty quickly from there. I mean, Instagram wasn't around yet. Twitter was barely a thing. And I had a lot of local acquaintances and then like, you know, random kind of branching off friends, friends of friends of friends say, Hey, can you come help me with my closet? I'd love style advice. I'd love some help packing for this or dressing up for this or whatever. And so I started a styling business and that was actually my very first business. That's the one that I was referencing. Um, Now that I'm thinking of the timeline, I guess it'll be 10 years. No, I think it'll be 10 years in September that I, I launched out on my own.
0: Entrepreneur and, life is so hard to keep track of. I know. <laughs> it, really blur. Is. it really It is
1: a blur. It is a blur. And <laughs> I've had so many different projects in yeah. places since then that I can't keep right. it all straight. Anyway, so that was how I started into the style industry. And then since then, really, have had a full um, and flourishing 10 years in the fashion industry and have loved every minute.
0: Oh man, yeah, I always admire people who just look on point because you know <laughs> I think that personal style is something that I feel like I failed with for the first mm, I really? don't know, 28 years of my life. Yeah, I how never possible? tell me. I, I just never felt comfortable in my clothes. Um mm-hmm. I didn't I guess I also didn't know how to dress for my body. Um mm-hmm. You know, I would see, like, I would be able to see someone else wear it. And I'm like, oh, I can duplicate that. And then you put it on, you're like, yeah, no, like, that doesn't look right. I look like a potato sack, you know, like, so um, it's only become very recent. I would say within the past three years or so. I felt like I've been able to step into my personal style. And Great. I know I can't be the only one who has struggled with this. Oh my gosh. Well, I even still struggle sometimes. Really? So you're definitely yeah. not. Oh yeah, of course. You're definitely not the only one. Not well, at all. Where where does it where can we start when it comes to developing and I guess ultimately owning our personal style?
1: You know one good place to start, I, t- I generally tend to, I, I don't actually work with personal styling clients anymore. From there, I went into more commercial and editorial styling and working with large brands and, and uh, publications and even uh, uh, ad agencies for TV commercials and print commercials and stuff. But um, one of the things that I've seen across the entire board, whether I'm sitting on the floor of a closet with a personal styling client or in some like High rise, you know, office building talking about a huge multi million dollar campaign is that the most important thing is whoever you're talking about dressing has to be able to feel most like themselves when they're dressed in said outfit uh, in order for my efforts or my job to be successful. So, if whether it's Um, you know, a stay at home mom or a retired teacher in my neighborhood or a model that's being paid a ton of money to like dress like either one of those things. Yeah. Um, You really want the person to feel most like themselves, but just Mm -hmm. the polished and um, most appropriate, you know, expression of themselves. And so I think in terms of like general advice, I always say to start by asking questions about the internal self truly, um, Mm -hmm. before necessarily looking at general trends or current, you know, things that are in season. Obviously that can all play into it. Absolutely. But you mentioned a second ago, you know, part of it is knowing, knowing your body, your external self. Um, But I think another part of it is really finding um, how that overlaps well with what you want to express in terms of you know, your internal world as well.
0: Mm. So a lot of self-awareness there. I think self-awareness
1: and just knowing, I mean, even if it's as simple as saying, you know, what do I want my mood to be today? Mm. And so for instance, I have a business meeting later today and I actually, I'm like half, well, not half dressed because I am fully clothed right now, but I mean, I'm like (laughs) half half-dressed for that meeting. But it's funny because on a normal day, um, I put on this morning like a normal day outfit knowing that I'd be talking to you, but that, you know, you didn't mind if I'd be sitting here in my workout clothes or whatever. Right. <laughs> and so I put on cutoff shorts and like a three-quarter length loose kind of like boxy sweater uh, sweatshirt. Yeah. And then like, 15 minutes before we started talking, I thought, Oh my gosh, I have to run to a business meeting right after this. How do I want to feel? I'm standing in my closet and I'm literally saying, how do I want to feel for that meeting? Well, it's a new, it's a new client we've Mm -hmm. never met before. So all of these things, like I'm kind of info gathering as I think through this thought process of like, how do I want to portray myself? How do I want him to understand who I am creatively? Cause it is a creative, Mm -hmm. uh, session that we're having. Um, and just all of these things. And so then I choose based on how I want to feel, but also how I want to be seen. And um, I think just even starting to ask yourself those questions can be a helpful way to uncover maybe what direction to take your actual wardrobe or even just on a micro level, your your outfit of whatever day you're talking about.
0: Yeah. What if like we're just like not feeling anything? You ever have one of those days like where uh, yeah. just- like this is okay. a no, this is a yeah. no. <laughs> so here's
1: an interesting thing. I have been living out of a suitcase with the same pieces, the same, like essentially, I don't, I don't technically do capsule wardrobes, but I mean, if you're packing, that's kind of yeah, like that, essentially um, since April.
0: Wow. It's, you know,
1: it's, I don't know when this is going to go live, but you and I are chatting and it's August. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been a bit. So very often lately I go to my closet and I'm like, I'm so sick of this stuff. And really, I think it's kind of a combination. My approach to when I'm not feeling it is to either get creative. Like I try to use it as a creative restriction and thinking, okay, again, looking at your day, what do you have to do today? If it's hanging out with the kiddos because it's summer and that's what a typical day looks like, then maybe it's comfort. Okay. I want to feel comfortable or I want to feel somewhat polished while still casual and approachable and cute. You know what I mean? And figuring out, and then Maybe it's opting for a tried and true favorite that you know, you know, you're going to feel comfortable in and then adding like a fabulous pair of earrings just to zhuzh it up a little bit. Yeah. Um, I use accessories a lot when I'm not feeling something in general to just kind of like punch up an outfit that maybe otherwise doesn't feel yeah. as exciting, like as, exciting a, as I want it to.
0: Like like a plain t-shirt or like a fun necklace oh, yeah. or something. Oh, Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah.
0: Oh, I love that. And I like how you said you're, when you were talking about uh, living out of your suitcase, I was oh, started thinking about, we had a more. podcast guest who, um, they live in a tiny home. Oh, yeah. And they told us that, um, well, the, Tim had told us that he only has eight outfits. And I was just like, (laughs) (laughs) my man. And I was like, (laughs) yeah, I was like, but you also live in Florida and there's no like seasonal clothes, you know? Yeah, exactly, It does help a little bit, but I'm just like, whoa, I can't, I couldn't imagine. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when we were talking about like, you're really just being aware, like aware of what you feel being, you know, aware of what you want to express. And I think that all just really links back to your mindset and Mm -hmm. mastering your mind is, is really possible. It does take work. Um, and then we get into these like, you know, life situations that can turn something really positive into a negative. Do you have any tips or tricks that you use to reorient your mindset when, you know, life throws some unexpected curveballs your way?
1: Oh, what a good question. I have, I have quite a few. I, I, it's funny. I, I asked my therapist recently, I was like, are these coping mechanisms? Mm. And she said, yes. And I was like, oh gosh, I didn't realize I was like, you know, just coping. And she goes, no, coping
0: mechanisms can be great. Depending (laughs) on what they are, I'm sure, right? (laughs) Yeah, totally.
1: She was like, they can be be wonderful if they help you cope with something that's otherwise unpleasant or, you know, and as long as it's healthy. But I have a lot of things in my toolbox. I mean, I'm extremely, um, I would say, uh, spiritual and in tune with my faith. And so prayer is a huge part of that for me, but I also am a verbal processor. And so many times it's like hopping on, um, Marco Polo. Have you heard of the Marco Polo app? No. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, pause the, pause the like meaningful spiritual conversation. Yeah. Tell me
0: about it. Like my eyes just like lit up. Okay.
1: (laughs) Because we've moved around so much. Most of my best friends are spread out around the country. And so this is literally my favorite app for keeping in touch. And my family lives out of state from where I live too. So it's honestly, it's a life changer, but so it's basically like a walkie talkie app. It's similar to Voxer, but it's video. It's almost like combining Snapchat or Instagram stories with Voxer because you're just leaving like video voicemails for each other. you can have a group chat or just personal chat. And it's amazing because you can do it like you can, I feel like it's one of those things where you can do it while you're doing other stuff. Yeah. But so to answer your question, and this is why I brought it up, is a lot of times it's like poloing my best friend who really only lives like 30 minutes away. But you know, if I need to talk something through and I'm having a rubbish morning, I I will hop on there and just say, hey, I need to vent and process and I know she'll listen to it eventually. She's not watching it live necessarily. You can watch it live, but I don't even need her to be watching it live. I just need to talk it out, you know. Yeah. Um and I I obviously I every once in a while call my mom, talk to my husband. I'm a, I'm a talker. And yeah. so being able to process verbally is huge. And then I I'm super super into fitness, and so going for a long run is helpful. Um You know, in terms of mindset, I think I'm very intentional about my thoughts Mm. um, because of how much they shape our beliefs. And so sometimes it's it's helps me realize like if I'm in a mood where I'm like, ugh, yikes, what's going on here? It's one of those things where it's like a, a red flag that I need to sit down and and really either write out or think through what's going on in my brain that I need to get a hold of. It's almost like a little a little kid. Yeah. Yeah, What triggered me. And, and, and it's just being compassionate Mm -hmm. with my mind, but also, um, what's the word, um, giving it guidelines and boundaries so that it doesn't think it can just run all over the place and, um, splatter paint on the walls and Make a mess of things.
0: <laughs> yeah, and sometimes um, I find just writing things down. It's just it oh helps yeah, your mind because your oh, mind yeah. just goes so deep, and it's yeah. like yeah. you have to release it sometimes. Just by
1: I'm also a, down. a big fan of pen to paper writing things oh, out because yeah. I think my mind works so quickly, or and I don't say that as you know, it's not a point of pride for me. It's actually more of the time. It's like a pinball machine is how I describe it. It's like a bunch of little metal balls pinging around the inside of a noise maker. (laughs) Right. So honestly, one of the things that's helpful to me about a pen and paper over like typing for instance, or dictating, I have a few friends that do a lot of like dictation into their voice memo app on their phone. But Mm. when I write pen to paper, I feel like it forces my brain—it's almost like breath work. It forces yeah. my brain to slow down because I can only write so fast. Even if I'm writing really fast, I can still only write so fast. Right. And so it's like you're just focusing on exactly what you're writing, and your brain sort of stays there mm. until you finish the thought, and then you—you you know what I mean? It's—it's yeah. it's a good way to slow things down in my in my experience.
0: So continuing on with emotional health, because mm-hmm. we know that you know mindset ultimately attributes to your emotional health. Absolutely. Um, what are some ways that you nurture your emotional health to make sure that you're not draining yourself because you have a really busy life and a lot of things going on. So it can be really easy to just be depleted. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, big fan of therapy.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, I, I do a handful of different types of therapy. Actually, I see like a, a counselor regularly for just general kind of talk therapy. Um, when she has a, a strong, strong emphasis on emotional health, mm. um, and, and various different emotional techniques. I also, um, see someone for craniosacral therapy. Um, I've done a couple of different types of neurofeedback. Um, but I also, I'm a big reader too. And so I think a lot of emotional health for me has come from just understanding, um, personal development, that whole yeah. world more thoroughly in order to understand myself more yeah. thoroughly. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, there's so many books that I've been able to learn from, um, that help me, I think, get a better picture of who I am and that helps me show up as a more whole person in the world for sure. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Do you feel that by having a lot of people in your support system, like you're not always leaning on your husband or, you know, in your relationship? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
1: And that's, that actually has been, um, how do I say this nicely? <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's been a challenge for us in really? marriage. Yeah. I mean, we've been married for 12 years and I would say it it it's it, um, it's had its ups and downs in terms of how much we do or don't rely on each other for um it's almost like the amount of things we rely on each other for is constantly in flux if that's right sense.
0: right and so as the relationship changes and goes through different course. growth periods you need different things from from each yeah, other yeah absolutely yeah. and so
1: in the times in which we've relied on each other for everything the, that's sometimes when things tend to fall apart and i don't know that it's necessarily because of that but i think you have like a larger liability when it's almost like, this seems like a really weird word picture to use, but it's like putting your eggs in one basket. And obviously I'm not like,
0: yeah, I'm
1: I'm not like looking elsewhere for, (laughs) for a partner in terms of, you know, my marriage. But at the same time, for instance, um, you know, in terms of intimacy, uh, Gerard and I, my husband and I talk about, um, emotional intimacy, physical intimacy, Intellectual intimacy, spiritual intimacy. There's so many different ways that you can be intimate with someone. Right. And obviously, there should be some level of intimacy, I think, in all categories with your partner. But then there's times in which your partner can't give you, like, a good example I would say right now for us is um, on the intellectual intimacy thing. Like, my husband is in a really, really, really busy, busy, ridiculous season at work right now. Um, I think last week he billed like 90 hours. <laughs> so wow. I don't get a lot of like um, meaningful, deep adult conversations with him in those seasons because, um, and I don't say that like, I don't get it, but yeah, I, I no. say it because it's I just kind like, of let him be because I know that he's his brain is working more than normal. Right. And I'm okay with it because I know it's a season and his work is pretty cyclical. But so in those times, I'm able to rely on friends or my business mastermind ladies or my dad or my brother, you know, people that I am also close to in life where it's... um, Just uh, leaning on your tribe. Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: What made uh, you and your husband start the podcast? What led to that?
1: You know, we were experiencing a pretty tricky season of our marriage. Um, and that's probably putting it nicely. Um, (laughs) I think we'd been married for about maybe almost eight years Mm. and we were really going through a rough patch. Um, we were living in New York city and we had moved from, at this point, we'd moved from Kansas city to the East coast and, we were really enjoying ourselves in terms of having fun and also both feeling like our careers were flourishing. I mean, it was yeah. a huge, huge, huge move for our, both of our work and, um, a positive one. But then at the same time, socially things changed significantly for us. We, we both had a lot of friends there, but they were separate. Like I had really, really special, um, work colleagues and friends that I'd made through you know, gigs and such and blogging and all of that. And he had a really tight knit work community too. And so we didn't have a lot of other couples that we were hanging out with. And we Mm. now have learned that that is vital to his and my um, relationship. I don't know that it's like that for everybody, but I, I firmly believe that every healthy couple needs other healthy couples around them. Um, and it' could even if,
0: be so hard for that <laughs> I know and if it's yeah. not
1: geographically possible like in that moment it was yeah. really challenging for us to find other couples that shared our same life values mm-hmm. like we would try to make a date you know like a double date with another couple and they'd be like great um the next time we can get together is 9:30 p.m six weeks from now on like a Wednesday night and we're like what? Yeah, <laughs> People just, I think in in the circles that we were running in, everybody was prioritizing either growing a family, and so that was sort of taking over, or it was a lot of young couples who were just gunning it in their professional yeah. lives, and so they were working these crazy long hours. And he and I weren't working as crazy hours as he does now. Um, I guess I was probably on. To be honest, I was working way harder because I was. Um, you know, running my own business and didn't have help at the time and just was kind of trying to figure out all the different ways to to manage that. But anyways, all that to say, we realized at one point we were having so many fights um, and so many, and, and when I say fights, we were disagreeing on so much and we would come to a stalemate and feel like there's no way we can make progress right now. Right. Now what? So yeah, now what? And so jokingly one day he goes, why don't we just or no, I said, I said, why don't we just record this conversation and send it to Liz and Ben or Rick and Joanna or Tim and Shauna or whoever the people who used to sit around the dinner table with and say, hey, you guys were really struggling with this. They were still now, um, or not still, they had by then been all spread out around the country. And he goes, that sounds like an idea for a podcast. And he was joking because then I was like, I love it. Let's do it. (laughs) Oh my gosh, what have I done? Because he was not on board. It took me about a year to convince him.
0: Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I never would have guessed that. (laughs) (laughs) He
1: loves it now, but he's a more private person. He was private before we started.
0: (laughs) Well, and you know, like, I guess now that you guys are seasoned veterans with it too, like, it's just, it's a little bit easier now, I'm sure, to know when to pull back and when to just go full in. Yeah. Yeah. You know, relationships in general are just full of expectations. We place these expectations on ourselves to be the best spouse, the best partner, But we also have those expectations upon our partners to be all they can be Mm -hmm. as well. How can we manage healthy expectations, not only for ourselves, but for our partners and beyond?
1: Girl, this is so hard. I'm figuring this out still daily, at least weekly, maybe daily. Yeah. I mean, honestly, one of the very first conversations that we had that ended up on the podcast is about this very thing because Gerard was – I don't even remember what we were talking about specifically, but he was getting really frustrated with the fact that he didn't feel like he was performing to his best as a husband. Mm-hmm. And he blurts out at one point in the, in the episode, I really do think it might be episode one, but I can't remember. I, he goes, I just want to be the perfect husband for you. And I said, no offense. First of all, that's very sweet, but no offense. I have never been under the impression that you were going to be the perfect husband. Like yeah. <laughs> I, I would never have expected that of you. I understand expecting it of yourself because I struggle with that as well. Mm. But I, but I want to, I wanted to give him permission and, and liberate him from that idea that he has to be the perfect guy, uh, in order for our marriage to work. And so we now, ever since then have coined the term perfect love is really only reserved in our opinion for what we experience with our creator Mm -hmm. and that within a marriage or within a relationship, if you aim for great love, it's such a more gracious and um, achievable way of looking at it. And so we say great love over perfect love, because um, once you give up aiming for perfect, it's almost like you the ease with which the rest of it falls into place. I mean, obviously I'm not saying marriage is easy once you figure that one thing out. right? Yeah. (laughs) It makes a huge difference because then you're not striving so hard and also mad at yourself or mad at the other person for not achieving something specific. Mm -hmm. And we do talk a lot about expectations on the show because that is also something that we both struggle with and are constantly figuring out. Um, But I think once we started talking through those things specifically was when there was a huge shift for us toward health, mm-hmm. for sure.
0: Has your communication improved because of the podcast? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, if anything, <laughs> it's interesting.
1: I, so when we first started, um, I think one of the other things, aside from knowing that we'd have the mediation or feedback from friends at some level or even like a bunch of strangers which was just as good for us <laughs> um there was also this element of accountability because mm-hmm. we were basically like committing to pus- putting up an episode um and so having conversations beyond just like the administrative things that you talk yeah. about in wife when it comes to like running a household or whatever right um I think that's been really good for our communication, but I think it also has enabled us to, well, it's interesting for me. So I produce and edit the show. And so for instance, if we have a particularly rocky conversation, which happens often, um, (laughs) I, I'm the one that has to listen back to it and Mm -hmm. boy, oh boy, does that give me a lot of insight? I'm sure. My own habits. Yeah. Like I'll be like, wow, I really, a lot of things I notice have to do with triggers. Like he'll say something. And I'll fly off the handle and be like, and then as I'm listening back, I'll think to myself, wow, I got really upset because this thing that he said triggered me in a way that I've never realized that actually triggers me, which then it, it enables me to then go to him and say, honey, I know this is maybe going to sound funny, but when you say um, yeah. what y. a million times in a conversation, right. it makes me feel like you're not listening. And when I don't mm-hmm. feel like you're listening, then I don't think I'm being heard. And that feels like a slight to my personality or, or, you know, makes me feel like you're bored or you you know what I mean? All these things. And so I can explain it to him instead of just being angry or pouting or whatever I used to do before. Um, yeah. A little bit better about just, I, I think, again, it goes back to being self-aware. And this, this project of ours has really contributed to both of our self-awareness for sure.
0: Yeah. What have you learned about yourself as a wife through the podcast journey?
1: Uh, <laughs> where do I begin?
0: <laughs> oh my gosh.
1: Well, I mean, the biggest thing is just that there's no such thing as a perfect wife. And I actually did a spinoff miniseries show called the perfect wife, which was a joke because she doesn't exist and yeah. not me, even if she did exist, <laughs> I think it's the biggest thing. And, and then also I think, um, you know, the more we do this show and for, for anyone listening, who's curious it's not marriage advice by any means. We don't We're like he and I are not experts. We both do have some experience in, um, the personal growth slash pastoral space. And so I think those personality traits of ours lend themselves well to, um, enjoying the aspect of mentoring young couples. And and maybe that comes through, but we don't talk about like, the three best ways to da, 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 or, this yeah. you know, we don't do that at all. We literally are just talking through our own stuff through the lens of being a married couple. And so I think one of the biggest things that I've learned, uh, about being a wife is that I don't have to necessarily be like a marriage and family therapist or, uh, a marriage expert, if there is a th- such a thing, <laughs> yeah. um, in order to, um, in order to consume or continue to learn, it's almost like, think of how many jobs out there have some form of continuing education attached to them. Like my mm. mom's a dental hygienist and she, she goes to continuing education classes all the time because you have to like keep your knowledge current. Right? right. And, and yet our relation, most, in most cases, our, our marriage or our life partnership is our primary relationship. And most people don't do any sort of continuing education as it relates to mm. that. But how much better would we, and how much better off would we be um, if that were the norm? And so I think I've learned that um, continuing to pursue being a great wife is is not necessarily does not necessarily need to be attached to um, any sort of career or profession, but should be just a part of me wanting to love him to the best of my abilities.
0: Oh, I love that. Oh, I love that a lot. I love also that your podcast, um, <laughs> Friday went, they, if you haven't, haven't already added to your queue <laughs> while you're listening to this, I love that they are, the episodes are rule. Like, Oh yes. Yeah, I mean, oh my I, gosh.
1: These are fun to come up with.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm sure. Cause the, for actually the first one I listened to, I was like, oh, hmm, I, cause I was just like reading the headlines first and I was cracking up when I got to and it. And it's the first one I listened to was the, um, always prune your bushes before a big party. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I gotta listen. This is where I'm starting. Like I gotta. <laughs> yep.
1: And a lot of them are, are word plays. So you yes. can, I can imagine yeah. how you, yeah, we <laughs> yeah. Are actually talking about real, yeah, bush in your yard, pruning, but yeah. it's fun because we both have a background in uh, in stand up comedy, uh, and so we love love incorporating humor into uh, well, really <laughs> most of what we do. But yeah. show and so those rules, a lot of them are some of them are like true to an extent, but then a lot of them are are jokes. Obviously,
0: right.
1: I mean, some of them are are funnier than others. But, um, I think one of the reasons why we chose to do that, and I love that you, you caught on is because I think there's a lot of really, I almost said a bad word, crappy marriage advice out there.
0: (laughs) Yeah, there is. Yeah. And,
1: And a lot of it is based on like these rules. Like one of them is, um, that always comes to mind for me that we threw out the window probably like on our wedding night, it was, was don't go to bed angry. (laughs) I don't think we went to bed angry on our wedding night, but it was one of those things where it's like, A, you can go to bed feeling whatever emotion you want to, and you're not, you don't owe it to the other person to have a specific like emotional Mm -hmm. status before you fall asleep. But then number two, like there are plenty of conversations that don't end in a tidy manner where it's way better to sleep before you continue the conversation Uh, than to just stay up until, you know, don't pull an all-nighter fighting if you have the option to fall asleep and then continue the conversation rested the next day. So anyways, we kind of, kind of have, um, we actually have a a course we're working on right now too. That's called the 10 marriage myths that nearly ruined our relationship. And it's, based on a keynote talk that we've given at a couple of big universities. And it goes so well that people come up to us afterwards and always offer more myths. Like we wrote our 10 myths that have like really messed with us. Right. How we flip them on their head in order to heal from them. But we'll have people come up to us like in the, you know, in the entryway and say like, oh my gosh, let me tell you about the myth that nearly ruined us. Or Or, you know, it's so interesting to me because you really can... Sort of get um, conflicting advice from people, and you can get kind of caught up in this. Like, oh my gosh, I have to check all these boxes and do all these things right in order to be this unit or this couple that um, you know looks a certain way from the outside. And and I think everybody's relationship is just going to look so different. I mean, if you think about how every human is so different yeah, on every level, and yeah. then you think about how a marriage is combining two of those unique snowflakes <laughs> into one right. brand new combination, it's like, oh my word, no, no one piece of advice is going to work for everybody. Um, I mean, of course there's some good uh, encouraging Words that can help in a lot of cases. We like to say talking things out and tight bear hugs fix almost anything, and that's, <laughs> that's one that I feel like probably goes for pretty much everybody. But again, that's more of an encouragement or a suggestion than um, than a hard and fast piece of advice. You know? Yeah,
0: I love that, and I'm definitely one of those people where. Like, I have to put myself to bed sometimes. Like, mm-hmm. that it really resets me. So mm-hmm. I could just be, and it could, I could not even be fighting. I could just be in a really foul totally. mood. And oh, it's just yeah. like, I'm putting myself to bed. Like, I had yeah. to do that on Friday. I was like, yeah, good night, guys. I love you all. I'm putting myself to bed. But honestly, the fact that you know that yeah. is a gift
1: to your family. like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, there's plenty <laughs> of people who would just push through and then. You're a nightmare. I was going to say, well, I wasn't <laughs> going to say you were a nightmare, but well,
0: I I, I would have been a nightmare. I that's should've.
1: what I was thinking about myself is like, it's better off for everybody involved if I just go to bed sometimes.
0: Yes. <laughs> and I was also thinking when you're talking about the marriage, the marriage myths, mm-hmm. I could imagine that so many of them play into the way that you were raised and mm-hmm. the type oh. of marriage and, or relationship that your you saw your parents have. And it's just, again, that also goes back to those expectations of.
1: Whatever
0: roles that they played in your life, or
1: yeah, we are really interested in frames of reference. Mm-hmm. Um, that's those like that. Those conversations have have come into play a lot for Gerard and I in terms of understanding who we are and why we turned out this way. Yeah. Um, and then another um, thing I was going to mention on that note is if anyone's looking for a great book that really goes in depth um, into really so much about. Your story from birth till now, um, and how specifically your childhood, psych, you know, your child, your childhood development in terms of psychology has such a huge impact on not only who you choose, but how it goes and mm-hmm. whether or not the relationship ends up working out. Um, and so it really, I would say, like the first, oh, so the book is called Getting the Love You Want. and it's by Harville Hendricks. But I would say the first, like, oh, maybe two-thirds or three-quarters of, maybe two-thirds, probably the first two-thirds of the book, you're learning about yourself and your own Mm. personal development, or not even just, like, current personal development, but, like, childhood development. And I had a lot, a lot of journaling to do throughout that book. And I had a wonderful, wonderful childhood. There's so many things. I have very, very precious parents. They're happily married 41 years. And Gerard comes from a very similar story, but we both, I mean, you're going to pick stuff up along the way, no matter what. Yeah. And so I, I just cannot tell you how much progress we've made. He's reading the book now. And it's interesting because like I read it at the beginning of this year and now that he's reading it, I'm kind of remembering as we're talking through a handful of the things I'm remembering back so much of what I learned, you know, handful of months ago. Um, and just seeing it through his lens now has been so interesting, but that's a really good one if you're thinking through um, frames of reference.
0: Yeah. I'll be sure to, to link that in the episode notes as well. I'm going to add that add that to my my little yeah. library checkout <laughs> next time I, I go. <laughs> well, Jesse, if you could give one piece of relationship advice to our listeners, what would that be?
1: Gosh, I think we already touched on it a second ago, but I would just say choosing great love over perfect love mm. is probably is probably the core of, of any sort of advice I'd give because marriage is so beautiful and it can be so fun and wonderful, but it can also be hard and messy and a lot of other things that, um, are less pleasant than we would maybe like. But, um, I think giving yourself grace, giving your partner grace, understanding that you're both people that are continuing to grow and expand throughout the journey. is important. And it can be so challenging because obviously since you're both separate people, you both can make decisions and occasionally people's decisions hurt the other person. And there's it's it's so complex. We can't distill it down into just one paragraph even. But I I think just this understanding that um, humans are resilient. And so even if there's deep hurt or um, pain or regret or any of those things, there's still such a wonderful, beautiful opportunity to allow the relationship to grow um new roots. And um we talk about having deep roots and reaping sweet fruit. So
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that.
1: Um, I would say that's another another component of that as well.
0: Oh, I love that. I know our listeners are gonna want to get more of you in their life. So what is the best way for them to connect with you further?
1: Gosh. Well, I love hanging out on Instagram. My handle is style and pepper and my website's jessierteague.com, but also come check out the podcast. If you're curious about great love and what that looks like in the context of a marriage that is made up of two people trying to figure it out as we go. Yes, definitely. (laughs) We're doing a really exciting, um, real live event in February. It's going to be a big summit, a weekend summit here in Long Beach. And so we have really, really, really incredible speakers coming and we're going to have late night comedy and dance parties and Mexican food and oh dang, and it's going to be awesome. So you just like can...
0: describe my perfect weekend. Oh, oh my <laughs> God. You, guys totally
1: come. you guys should come. It's going to be for oh any, any young couples who want to enrich their marriage and understand what it looks like to grow a marriage, um, that's rooted in great love. That's, that's what we're all about. So
0: I love that
1: at meet too.
0: Perfect. Jesse, I have loved getting to know you. You've dropped so many great wisdom nuggets today. Thank you for sharing your light and bringing some style and fun to the podcast.
1: Anytime. You're great, Lauren. Thanks for having me.
0: You can find direct links to Jesse's podcast, social channels, and websites on this week's episode notes found on mindbizlife.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, I encourage you to subscribe to the podcast and, or be sure to share it on your social media channels. This helps get the podcast into the cars, homes, and earbuds of many. I'll see you back here next week for another episode. But until then, remember every level of life is an opportunity to grow. Be well, my friend.